Happy Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving. We have a lot to talk about related to the Thanksgiving holiday, actually. No, we're not talking about how to talk to your relatives about politics around the Thanksgiving table. There, there's actually more serious issues surrounding Thanksgiving, such as the accusation from the left that it's a genocidal holiday that uh, this is MBC, MSNBC's actual quote that there's violence and genocide on the Thanksgiving menu. We're going to talk about all the misconceptions about Thanksgiving and the reality the historical reality of what actually happened that first Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about that shortly, but first, a lot has happened since um, in the last week and a half since we've done new episodes. You know, the Rittenhouse verdict came in. We had the Christmas parade attack um, in Wisconsin, and th there's a couple things that need to be said about this. There's a conversation that I've noticed happening among conservatives, actually. This is not even left versus right. I've noticed this conversation or discussion, this debate, this argument, happening among conservatives about whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse himself is a hero or a foolish boy who, is sh who should not have been on the streets in the first place. And I wanna weigh in on this because it's the most unpopular debate that's happening among conservatives right now, and so it's, it's warranting my attention here. Here's what I would say. This is actually, this debate or this argument completely misses the point absolutely 100% misses the point. Was Kyle Rittenhouse a hero who was just wanting to defend his community, an innocent patriot who was attacked and exercised self-defense? Or was he a foolish boy who should never have put himself in the position where he needed to exercise his right to self-defense? And then perhaps nobody's life would have been lost. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it actually doesn't matter. The point that we should be asking or the question that we should be investigating here is why. Why did Kyle Rittenhouse feel it necessary to go out and defend his community? Why was a 17-year-old boy the one on whose back this responsibility fell? Who should have been defending the community? Why did we collectively have to resort to using a teenager to defend private property against arson and vandal and rioting and looting? That's the important question here. It's not whether or not it was good for Kyle Rittenhouse to be there or whether he should have stayed home. No, it's a shame in a sense that a 17-year-old had to be the one out there. And the fault, the person responsible, the people responsible, the politicians responsible are Democrats. Because what was happening? What caused Kyle Rittenhouse to feel that he needed to go out into his community and prevent his city from being burned to the ground? Because Black Lives Matter. Radical Black Lives Matter agitators and thugs were destroying the city of Kenosha. And the police department was doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why was the police doing nothing? Because they didn't have the political backing of the politicians whose backing they need in order to actually take action. The governor of the state, Tony Evers, did nothing. The National Guard was not called. The law enforcement and the politicians whose responsibility it is to protect people and their property and their communities neglected, abandoned their responsibilities. And so as the city was burning around him, a 17-year-old kid felt he had no other choice but to defend the private property of individual innocent citizens from vandals and arson and looting and rioting. And that is the question that conservatives should be talking about. That is the question, not just conservatives, that liberals should be asking too. This was liberals' community that was burned. I mean, the amount of, the amount of money, the amount of goods, the amount of property of black business owners that was destroyed by Black Lives Matter you can't make up this irony. Every voter 
Every person should be asking, why did Kyle Rittenhouse feel it was necessary? Whose fault is this? And why did our politicians fail us? That is the question voters should be asking, not whether Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero or not. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. That, of course, all this this goes without saying, obviously, that Kyle, the verdict was correct. Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. There was a billion videos that proved that. He was attacked by uh, crazy, psychotic people and tried to run away, tried to actually turn himself into the police after he shot his firearm the first time. He was unable to do that, and he felt that his life was in danger if he did not defend himself. That's obviously self-defense. Um, thank goodness the jury, the courageous jury, who did their duty and their responsibility as citizens of the United States of America, um, and they came to the right conclusion. They came to the correct conclusion. They came to the just conclusion that Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. But here's a very interesting thing that you will notice if you listen to any liberal, any leftist who is discussing the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, they're unhappy. They're not just unhappy because it's a nuanced case or because they believe the jury came to the wrong conclusion. That we could give them. I don't agree with that take. I think the jury did come to the correct verdict. But if someone in good faith said, listen, this is how I stack up the evidence. This is how I see it. This is a conclusion I draw and it's different than the jury. Okay, we have different opinions. That's why you have a panel of multiple jurors. That's why there's 12 jurors. No, no, that is not the perspective liberals are taking right now. They are condemning the entire system, our entire system of justice, our entire idea, the definition of lady justice being blind of a panel of your peers determining whether you violated the law beyond a shadow of the doubt or whether the government cannot prove that. Remember, the burden, of course, is on the government. So this is a very interesting thing. This is why, in my opinion, there was so much media attention on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Partially, it was because they were using Kyle Rittenhouse to try to obscure the Black Lives Matter violence because they didn't want to take responsibility for it. But also, it's because liberals don't think that, well, the jury has spoken, agree with it or not, the process plays out, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong, it is what it is, this is our system. No, no. The left wants to destroy this system. Kamala Harris tweeted in the wake of this verdict, she said, today's verdict speaks for itself. I've spent a majority of my career working to make our criminal justice system more equitable. It's clear there's still a lot more work to do. So let's focus on this word equitable. What does she mean? What does Kamala Harris mean when she says she wants to make our criminal justice system more equitable? Equitable. Well, remember, equity is equal outcome. Equality is either equal opportunity or equal treatment under the law. So Kamala Harris has no interest in our justice system being equal, meeting out equality under the law. Kamala Harris wants our criminal justice system to be equitable meaning she wants equal outcome for people based presumably on immutable characteristics like the color of their skin or their political beliefs, like in the case with Kyle Rittenhouse versus Black Lives Matter. This is beyond terrifying. I mean, Kamala Harris says a lot of stupid things a lot. Her entire Twitter account is an exercise in stupidity, but this should actually scare people a lot more than her usual superfluous nonsense. She's admitting, Kamala Harris is admitting that she doesn't want our criminal justice system to be just. She doesn't want lady justice to be blind. She doesn't want equality under the law. She wants equity in our criminal justice system. These people want to tear down our criminal justice system. They want to tear down everything that makes our nation 
as free as we are, as just as we are, that allows us to exercise our inherent individual rights protected by the Constitution. Kimberly Crenshaw is another one. Kimberly Crenshaw, this name might ring a bell. She's basically one of the scholars. I can't help myself. I must put that in quotation marks. Uh, Kimberly Crenshaw is a scholar of critical race theory. She is one of the left-wing academics who transitioned critical theory into critical race theory. She actually admitted years ago that uh, she and her, her crew are critical theorists. That's a Marxist theory. Critical theorists who do race. So Kimberly Crenshaw, um, the godmother of critical race theory, if you will, this is what she tweeted. She tweeted, acquitted, all effing charges. Understand what this means. Well, Kimberly, we do understand what this means. We understand that Kyle Rittenhouse was charged in a court of law and that the burden of proof on the government is to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was guilty of the elements of the statutes um, by which he was charged. And the jury concluded, based on the evidence that was presented in court, that there was not enough evidence to meet that burden, that they could not prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was guilty of the murder he was charged with, and so they found him to be not guilty. It's actually not that difficult to understand. So yes, we do understand what this means, but Kimberly, I also understand what you mean. I understand what you mean when you say, understand what this means. You're trying to make this case about race. It wasn't in and of itself about race at all. Kyle Rittenhouse was white. Those he shot were white. The only element of race that exists in this entire, even this big picture, was the fact that Black Lives Matter, which it mostly was a bunch of white people, was destroying the city of Kenosha in the name of race. That's the only element of race that exists in this case. Yet you are making the accusation, subtweeting is what they call, call what she's doing, subtweeting the accusation that our system is a system of white supremacy and that because Kyle Rittenhouse was white, he was acquitted. And if he had not been white, he would not have been acquitted. This is actually false. There was another case, um, a SWAT raid actually, where a black man shot in self-defense, shot police in self-defense during this SWAT raid. He was charged with murder and he was acquitted because he acted in self-defense. It's a very similar case to the Kyle Rittenhouse case. It didn't get a lot of play in the media because the man accused was black and he was acquitted, which undermines this idea that Kyle Rittenhouse was only acquitted because he was a white supremacist. There's no evidence whatsoever that he was a white supremacist. If there were, I'd be the first to call him out for it. There's none, none. He doesn't even seem, I don't know if anybody watched the Tucker Carlson interview of Kyle Rittenhouse, he doesn't even seem to be particularly politically aware. He's a young kid. He was defending his community. Again, the whole thing is nuts. The left doesn't just disagree with the jury. They disagree with the idea of a jury trial, of a system of justice where someone who disagrees with the left politically can get acquitted. They will try to destroy Kyle Rittenhouse's life. They absolutely will try to destroy Kyle Rittenhouse's life. We're gonna talk about that in just a second, but first I wanna to talk to you about American Hartford Gold. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting expensive. We are in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with a government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is unfortunately seemingly here to stay. And if the government continues its out of control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, and your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA. 
And they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz to 65532. Again, that's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz to 65532. So it's not just politicians and critical race theorists who want to abolish our system of justice, who want to make our system of justice nothing more than a Soviet-style political targeting apparatus where the enemies of the state, the state meaning the radical left who are in charge of the deep state, are punished for dissenting against the radical leftist ideology. We have corporations and uh, businesses, local governments that are also on board with this. So let's start with GoFundMe. GoFundMe obviously is a crowdfunding apparatus um, where people raise money for other people or for causes. At the beginning of this whole pre-trial experience, Kyle Rittenhouse had a fundraiser to try to crowdfund his, uh, the money that he needed to pay for his defense. GoFundMe prohibited Kyle Rittenhouse from raising money for his own defense. They took down the fundraiser. They didn't allow him to collect the money. They returned it to the people who had donated. And they only just addressed this, GoFundMe did. They just addressed this, and this is what they tweeted. They said, GoFundMe's terms of service prohibit raising money for the legal defense of an alleged violent crime. In the light, in light of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, we want to clarify when and why we have removed certain fundraisers in the past. So, to use Kimberly Crenshaw's phrase, understand what this means. They prohibit raising money for the legal defense of an alleged violent crime. Which means, in the eyes of GoFundMe, you are guilty of this crime if you are accused of it. You're not afforded due process. You're not afforded presumption of innocence until and unless proven guilty. You are guilty in the eyes of GoFundMe if you are just accused of a crime. Now we saw this. We saw this with we see this with the Me Too movement. We see this with Cav in the Kavanaugh situation. We see this in any anytime. We see this with Dave Portnoy in a sense. Anytime there's a situation where there's an allegation that is levied against someone, the left does not want them, that person, to be afforded any kind of due process under the law, any kind type of presumption of innocence. No, no. They want that person convicted just based on the allegation. It's the believe all women versus listen to all women conundrum. Believe all women means if a woman makes an accusation, that man is guilty. Listen to all women means if there was a crime that was committed and an allegation made, let's investigate this and bring it to justice. This is what the left wants. They don't want our system of justice anymore. They don't believe that the jury just got it wrong. They don't want the jury. They don't want presumption of innocence. They think Kyle Rittenhouse, regardless of the fact that a jury of his peers found him to be not guilty on every single charge, they still want to destroy him. They want to destroy him. There was a police officer who donated originally to Kyle Rittenhouse's defense fund who was fired from his job for doing so. It was his personal money. He made a personal decision about a person to donate to. And because it was Kyle Rittenhouse's legal defense fund, he was fired from his job. Because he made a personal decision with his personal money about a person to donate his money to, he was fired from his job because these leftists, these leftists do not believe in our system of law and justice. These are not isolated incidents. I mean, this, this is a, it's beyond a pattern. This is the norm from the left. This is their modus operandi. 
This is what they want for our country. They want to tear down our institutions and they have nothing to replace it with but their own opinions, their own convictions in a court of public opinion, their own wokeness, their own political correctness, their own Marxism. It's terrifying. We see this not just in the Rittenhouse case. So the Christmas parade attack that happened in Wisconsin, um, we see that happening too. I mean, how many days ago was this tragedy where over 40 people were bowled over by this man, Darrell Brooks Jr., half a dozen people killed, children injured and killed, and it's out of the news already? We're barely talking about this? The mainstream media doesn't have time to discuss this after obsessively discussing the Rittenhouse case for months and months and months? Well, why? Why? Why does the mainstream media not want to talk about this? Because usually the mainstream media eats up tragedy. Usually they use every tragedy, they exploit every tragedy, never let a crisis go to waste, according to Rahm Emanuel, and they don't usually. So why are they ignoring this? Well, because it contradicts their political narrative. It contradicts the idea that people will be safer and better off if the left tears down our system of justice. Because this man, Brooks, the alleged perpetrator, he was a criminal. He was a convicted criminal who'd been released on $500 and then $1,000 bail for really serious violent crimes days before he had posted bail. I think he what, he'd post bail on the 19th and then he committed his attack on the 21st. $1,000 and he was let out of prison. But the left, the left can't have you know that. The left can't have you know that. Because if you know that, then you're gonna say, well, why? Why was he let out on such an inappropriately, dangerously, asininely low amount of bail money? And the answer to that is because the liberal government, the politicians in charge, allowed him. This is all part of George Soros' liberal prosecutors project that's sweeping the nation, where prosecutors don't care about enforcing the law. They only care about their woke agenda. And so this man who waged this attack was let out on bail, such a low amount of bail, just a formality, a danger to his community, and he hurt and killed dozens of people. He's also a pedophile, by the way. And by the way, I do not get what is up with Democrats right now in their defense of pedophiles. This is becoming a serious thing. This is not an isolated incident. It's becoming a pattern. First, we had Rosenbaum, who I, I understand that Rosenbaum being a pedophile didn't have anything to do with the facts of whether it was self-defense or an attack. That has only to do with his actions in that moment. However, the fact that Rosenbaum was a pedophile should, you would think, preclude the left from calling him a hero. But it didn't. The left calls this creep a hero, a convicted pedophile. So that's number one. Then Brooks, this uh, Darrell Brooks Jr., he was also a convicted sex offender in the state of Nevada. And the left just ignores that. They just ignore that he is a sex offender, that he committed sexual offenses against children. And then we have the state of Colorado as a whole, run by leftists, of course, who are discontinuing the, the term, the phrase sex offender. They're eliminating the phrase sex offender. Why? Because they say it's too negative. It has a negative connotation. It takes the humanity out of the sex offender. What is wrong with Democrats? What is wrong with you? What, I mean, to be soft on criminals is dangerous. To be soft on pedophiles is evil. Evil. And that's what they're doing here. So of course, as I said, the uh, district attorney in Milwaukee 
actually admits that his plan, this, this was months back, that his plan was to release criminals on uh, a low amount of bail money. He admits this, we have video of this. Um, I'm gonna show you that in just a second, but first I wanna talk about Moink Box. If you could see and taste this bacon from moinkbox.com, you would order it right now. But for now, let me tell you, it is delicious. You have got to get moinkbox.com. Now I'm vegan, so you might say, well, this is a little bit of a contradiction. However, my husband is not vegan and I cooked the meat in Moinkbox for him because I am a good wife, even though I don't eat it. I cooked him the salmon, I cooked him the sausage, I cooked him the pork, and he gives his endorsement. Uh, Moinkbox delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken and wild-caught Alaskan salmon, all of which he loves, direct to our door. This helps family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. This is a good thing. Moink meat is also free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. So sign up at moinkbox.com slash Liz to get a year of bacon for free, and then pick which meats you want delivered with your first box. You can change each month, and you can cancel anytime. So join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now, and listeners to this show get free bacon for a year. But for a limited time, go to moinkbox.com slash Liz. That's moinkbox.com slash Liz to take advantage of this very special offer. Okay, so the, uh, the district attorney of Milwaukee actually admits that part of his objective as a district attorney is to let criminals out of jail. Take a listen to this. But what, what is the natural attack that's been made on me, right? It's that I'm, I'm soft on crime and I'm doing all these things. Look, I also made a commitment 10 years ago that I was gonna do certain things with that short time that I was given. I was gonna try to make a difference in this community. And, and certainly I have an obligation to hold violent people accountable and we do that each and every day. And nobody in the state, no, quite frankly, nobody in the country does it better than our prosecutors with the, with the help of our support staff and with our incredible uh, relationship with, with the community and with our investigators and police departments. All of that is, is essential to what we do. But I also believe that we could do different things as well. I thought that we could do a better job of identifying people that were drug addicted, mentally ill, that were alcohol dependent, youthful offenders, and trying to get them, get them in places where they could actually um, uh, change that behavior without filling up our jails and our prisons. So I made that commitment and I've, I've lived up. Anything I say I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do. It's funny, you probably haven't seen or heard that video. I doubt he wants you to see or hear that video since his actions, his admitted actions that he did intentionally based on his own political agenda, led to the horrific massacre at the Christmas parade that could have been avoided. That's what just kills you about these tragedies. I mean, watching this carnage, watching this humanity, these innocent lives cut down and knowing this didn't have to happen. It's like, when, it's like watching what happened in Afghanistan when 13 US service members were needlessly murdered by terrorists because of Joe Biden's actions. That's the same thing is happening across the country, liberal politicians, liberal prosecutors are making decisions intentionally that are leading to dangerous situations for the people that they are supposed to be protecting. Whether it's in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, whether it's Kenosha burning, whether it's the Christmas parade massacre and low bail, so-called criminal justice reform, it makes it more dangerous for the American people. It makes it more dangerous for our families. It makes it more dangerous for you and me. And it's not just happening arbitrarily. It's not happening by coincidence. It's not just happening. It is happening because of deliberate political choices made by Democrat politicians. And it's time we hold them accountable and kick them out of office. It's disgusting. Meanwhile, MSNBC, for Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving from MSNBC. You know, instead of talking about, are you going to eat turkey? Are you going to eat ham? Are you going to eat green bean casserole? Are you going to eat rolls? No, no. MSNBC says 
the first Thanksgiving served a menu of violence and genocide, and that is still on the menu this year. I, I won't even do a disservice to this video by explaining it beforehand. Please watch and listen for yourself. It's so edifying. It's hard to believe it's real, but it is. Take a listen. With Thanksgiving right around the corner, I wanted to turn the mic over to Cross Connection favorite and my friend Yassi Ross for this week's essay and his take on the real story of Thanksgiving and some history you probably never read in your school books. Okay. My name is Jossie Ross. I come from the Amstapipakani Nation. The mythology of Thanksgiving closely mirrors the mythology of America. That mythology is the image that white Americans love to see of themselves. White settlers come to a strange land in good faith, bringing something of great value that enriches the people who are already here. The natives also bring something of immense value, equal exchange. That closely mimics the mythology of white America. It is how America wants to see itself. The truth, of course, of Thanksgiving is much different. The truth is pilgrims did not bring turkey, sweet potato pie, or cranberries to Thanksgiving. They could not. They were broke. They were broken. Their hands were out. They were begging. They brought nothing of value. But they got fed. They got schooled. Thanksgiving. It makes sense. There is much for white Americans to be thankful for. But I'm still trying to figure out what indigenous people received of value. Instead of bringing stuffing and biscuits, those settlers brought genocide and violence. That genocide and violence is still on the menu as state-sponsored violence against Native and Black Americans is commonplace and violent private white supremacy is celebrated and subsidized. From Stone Child Chief Stick to Mike Brown to Renee Davis to Breonna Taylor to Eric Gardner, Indigenous and Black people are still being murdered by those paid to protect us. From Ahmaud Arbery to Trayvon Martin, white Americans are still killing Native and Black Americans with no fear of reprisal. They brought chattel slavery to Africans and native people. That still happens through the prison industrial complex that imprisons the descendants of enslaved Africans and natives at far disparate numbers. That is the reality of Thanksgiving. Many of us are still waiting for white Americans to bring some value, still waiting for white America to match the mythology of Thanksgiving. Freedom, justice, equality, reparations for two and a half billion acres of stolen native land, reparations for 246 years of stolen labor, reparations for stealing native children. Stop the killing. It's still happening. Stop the theft. It's still happening. Return the land. Match the mythology. Then and only then we can all be equally thankful. Peace. Like I said, I told you. It's hard to believe that this is actually real. Instead of bringing stuffing and biscuits, these settlers brought genocide and violence that is still on the menu. Okay, so a fun thing to do, I thought, for Thanksgiving um, would be to debunk some of this day of mourning narrative that comes from the left, the left that you know wants to abolish Thanksgiving. They say that it's a, a what, an imperialist, colonialist, genocidal, horrible, murderous holiday. Let's talk about what happened actually, what actually truly happened on the first Thanksgiving. Um, by the way, did you hear this guy? I'm sorry, I just now reheard this. I watched this video before the show and I just now reheard him say that we should return the land. I don't understand how that would work. I would actually sincerely be interested in a leftist like this explaining to me what it would look like if we returned the land. So are we, seriously, in all practicality, would this mean that 
everybody just gave their houses away, that we bulldozed houses? Do we give land that is it not part of the United States anymore? Do, are we not covered by the protection of the United States? Government, what, what does this look like when you say give back the land, return the land? Because I've, I've heard this from these reparations people or these land acknowledgement people. There's actually, um, there's actually been some videos of some corporations that are starting to do these so-called land acknowledgements where they say, our headquarters are built on the ancestral home of blah, 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 blah. Um, and I, I always think, okay, well, if you feel that guilty about it, then yes, maybe you should do what you are advocating for and return the land. But what does that actually look like? Well, here's the thing. They don't want to return the land. No, no. They want to create a leftist utopia. Think like the Chaz or the Chop Zone that we saw in Portland um, last year. That's what the left actually wants. They actually are just trying to separate parcels of land away from the United States government because they don't believe in the Constitution. They don't believe in American institutions. They want to tear down our existing governmental, self-governmental structure, and they want to impose Marxism. And they feel like the best way to do that is to invalidate the U.S. government. The best way to invalidate it is to claim that the land, the government is illegitimate because the land was stolen, therefore return the land. The dumbest thing I have ever, ever heard. Also, also, this is in the running for the dumbest Thanksgiving-related thing I've ever heard. The Women's March. This made me absolutely laugh out loud. Um, I couldn't believe this was real. I thought it was a Photoshop. I thought someone had made it up. But the Women's March tweeted out this week. I'm going to quote here. They said, We apologize deeply for the email that was sent today. $14.92 was our average donation amount this week. It was an oversight on our part to not make the connection to a year of colonization, conquest, and genocide for indigenous people, especially before Thanksgiving. End quote. First of all, 1492 was the year Columbus landed, um, the year Columbus ostensibly discovered the, the New World. Um, really nothing to do with Thanksgiving whatsoever. Um, so, so funny. I think this is hilarious. And my, my actual question is, if... $14.92 represents genocide, colonization, conquest, and you know the general murder and mistreatment of indigenous people. Did the Women's March return all of these donations? Because if not, it really begs the question, are all supporters of the Women's March genocidal, imperialist, colonialist, horrible, horrible racist people? Because that's essentially what the Women's March is implying. This is what we're dealing with, folks. These are the people who oppose Thanksgiving. These are the people who um, think that there are violence and genocide on the menu instead of a turkey. So let's talk a little bit about the facts of what happened at that first Thanksgiving. But first, I want to talk to you about Nutrafol. Now, we all know that about half of the viewers who watch my show are balding men. Yes. I'm talking to you. Now, there is a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. I'm very crunchy, you know, this is the kind of thing I like. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. It is made of 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. Win, win, win. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. Nutrafol is also trusted and recommended by more than 1,500 top doctors, probably because it works. So you can grow thicker, healthier hair, and you can support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. So get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T. R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. You deserve it. It works. Nutrafol.com, promo code Liz. Okay, so the first, the first Thanksgiving, the history of um, the original Thanksgiving. Now, 
this day of mourning narrative that we hear from the left, this is not true. And let me preface that by saying there was conflict and war and violence, very gruesome behavior from both the uh, English, the white men, and the Native Americans, the Indians. That's called the history of the world. As my husband likes to say, the history of the world is a history of war and conquest. And that was true in the New World as well. Native American tribes constantly were warring with each other, enslaving each other, killing each other, and believe it or not, stealing land from each other. Oh, the audacity, stealing land from each other. This was what happened. This was the reality of the thing. Um, so let's talk about when the pilgrims arrived in the New World, they coincidentally, and this is an argument, I think, anybody who doesn't believe that uh, God played a hand in the founding of the New World, and I know, imagine me quoting, citing God as a part of the founding of our nation. Well, anybody who doesn't believe in divine providence, who doesn't believe that God played a role here, this is an awfully, awfully big coincidence um, for something that did not have divine providence involved here. So when, when the pilgrims landed in the New World, they were, um, they were met by a Native American who spoke English. That's right, spoke English. And this Native American named Samoset introduced the pilgrims to another Native American named Squanto. Now, Squanto, contrary to maybe what popular culture, even your history books, certainly your public school classrooms tell you, Squanto was not a pagan who was simply kind and nice to the English. No, no, Squanto was a Christian. Squanto had been kidnapped and captured and taken back to the old world years earlier, um, probably baptized, certainly um, converted to Christianity before he returned to America. When he returned to America, he found that his entire tribe had been wiped out by disease, so he was alone. He became friends and helped the English, the pilgrims, and um, there wasn't any violence between the two of them. In fact, th th this is what's so nuts about the narrative that comes from the left when it comes to Thanksgiving, is th there was actually a peace deals brokered between the English and the Native American tribes because of Squanto and because of the English. They mutually helped each other. Mutually helped each other. So essentially, the specific tribes that I'm talking about are the Massasoit, um, the Massasoit, Squanto brokered this agreement, this peace deal um, between the pilgrims and the Massasoit, and Massasoit, I should say, he was the leader of the tribe. And this peace deal allowed Massasoit to oppose um, a more violent Native American tribe, a more violent Indian tribe, and establish a larger, a, a larger and more peaceful nation. Without the English, this wouldn't have been possible. It actually, the English helped avoid a war simply because of their, their power, the strength of numbers, the fact that there was this alliance between Massasoit and the English brokered by Squanto. That actually led to peace. Now, once this peace deal was brokered, that's when the pilgrims and the Massasoit celebrated Thanksgiving. And it wasn't just Thanksgiving to Squanto for teaching them how to farm, which they owed Squanto tremendous thanks because half of them starved over that first winter and Squanto taught them how to farm the land. But that's not the only reason that they starved. They starved because when they initially came, they, their settlement was set up in a socialist form. I know a lot is made, a lot is made of this and a lot is ignored in relation to this. But the original governor, governor Bradford, um, of this colony set up this, this collective society, this collective farm, these collective stores, and it failed. And people starved because they had no incentive to work. And so they had nothing to eat. And so they died. 
And so the combination of this failed socialist experiment and Squanto teaching the settlers how to farm, how to work the land, how to survive, resulted in, resulted in this um, mutually beneficial arrangement that led to a peace deal between the settlers and other Native American tribes that led to a time of peace. It was for that time of peace that the settlers um, celebrated the first Thanksgiving with the Indians. Now, this peace actually lasted for several years, and believe it or not, the breakdown of this peace um, happened because a Native American tribe leader falsely accused the English of killing his brother. And because of that false accusation, violence and war broke out um, for several years and really broke down the peace relations between the settlers and the Indians. This is the truth about the first Thanksgiving. This is the truth about the first Thanksgiving. Did the settlers come to the new world? Did they establish a colony here? Yes, they did. Did they steal land? It's a stupid question, actually, to ask whether they stole land, because this was the reality of the times. This was the reality of the situation. This was the reality of the world. Native American tribes took land from each other, waged war against each other, committed violence against each other. And perhaps so did the settlers. This was the way of the world at the time. But now, the politics of the thing now, in 2021, the left has to warp this history. They have to twist it. They have to lie about it. They have to peddle falsehoods in order to convince you that everything was bad, that your ancestors, by nature of coming to the new world to try to escape religious persecution, to find a prosperous society where virtue could thrive, that they did this by oppressing and killing, committing genocide against people of color, which renders everything that they built or that came after them racist, tinged with white supremacy and blood, and therefore a country that was not founded for over 100 years, 150 years later, illegitimate, stolen, worthy of destruction, and oh, coincidentally, it should be rebuilt in a Marxist image. This is how disturbed the radical left is in our current day and age. This is how disturbed that they will go to this length, make this effort, to lie to you, to warp Thanksgiving, to try to destroy a nice family holiday where we celebrate, you know, settlers coming to the new world. I mean, this is a celebration of religious liberty. This is a celebration of survival. This is a celebration of principles, the principles on which our country ended up being built. But the left can't stand that, and so they tell you lies. Um, so I don't know about you, but violence and genocide is not on the menu at my family's Thanksgiving. I don't know anybody's who is the only violence and genocide that is being served right now in the United States is at the hands of rioters, murderers, Black Lives Matter thugs and agitators that are destroying people's uh, cities, burning down people's businesses, attacking police officers, and causing, what was it, 25 people died in the quote-unquote summer of rage last year at the hand. The, the, these are the Black Lives Matter riots that happened across the nation. That's the only violence that is being institutionally served to the American people at this point. And the left, the left knows it. They just don't want you to know it. Happy Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a wonderful, truly wonderful day celebrating with your family. Um, and I hope that uh, the political talk is fun and lively. We do have a Locals VIP of the Week that I want to give a shout out to. It's coming right up here on the Vista board. That would be Mary Kay888. Mary Kay, welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. We are delighted to have you a part of our little crowd. Well, 
it's not so little anymore. There are tens of thousands of us um, that take part in the Liz Wheeler Show community all the time. We have live Q&A, we have live streams, we have extra segments, exclusive interviews, anything that might be censored by YouTube or Facebook or any big tech we talk about on Locals. We are delighted to have you. Anybody who is not yet part of the Liz Wheeler Show community, please join us. You can go to lizwheelershow.com locals, become a VIP supporter for exclusive behind the scenes content and all kinds of fun conversation. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.